when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The wind blew, and the rain came with the wind. And so the coach rumbled into Bodmin, grey and forbidding like the hills that cradled it. And one by one, the passengers gathered up their things in preparation for departure, all save Mary, who sat in her corner. The driver, his face a stream of rain, looked in at the window. Are you going on to Launceston? he said. It'll be a wild drive tonight across the moors. You can stay in Bodmin, you know, and go on by coach in the morning. My friends will be expecting me, said Mary. I'm not afraid of the drive, and I don't want to go as far as Launceston. Will you please put me down at Jamaica Inn? The man looked at her curiously. Jamaica Inn, he said. What would you be doing at Jamaica Inn? That's no place for a girl. You must have made a mistake, surely. He stared at her, hard, not believing her. This is the opening of Daphne du Maurier's celebrated novel Jamaica Inn about a young orphaned woman who goes to live with her aunt and uncle. The terrifying landlords of the Jamaica Inn that sits high on the foggy Bodmin Moor. Loved it. My dad read it to me when I was a kid. She begins to search for answers about the mystery of her uncle's involvement in smuggling along the Cornish coast. It's at Jamaica Inn that Mary learns what fear is for the first time. Jamaica Inn was built in 1750. It was a coaching inn, the kind of 18th century equivalent of a modern-day service station, a travel lodge, where weary travellers could relax and heat up before the next leg of the journey. It's on the turnpike between Launceston and Bodmin, and they would stay in the inn after crossing the wild and treacherous moor. It's such a cool place. Meanwhile, smugglers had well, anywhere up to 100 secret routes to move their contraband around. Now, some of these travellers were the smugglers and they used the inn to hide their smuggled goods that had been brought ashore. It's estimated that about half of the brandy and a quarter of all the tea being smuggled into the UK was landed along the Cornish and Devon coast. Jamaica Inn was isolated and remote, making it the perfect stopping place for those laden down with illegal goods to sell. Our producer, 
Mariana Day Forge has been down to Jamaica and to find out more about this haven for smugglers, how wreckers operate on the rocky southwest coast, and the search for ghosts that apparently haunt the inn. Here's the episode. Stay safe out there. I'm just walking up to the Jamaica Inn and on this drizzly October afternoon, it is very atmospheric. There is a sort of pea soup fog gathering up on the moor and Jamaica Inn sits on the top of this hill and it's a stone coaching inn with a cobbled courtyard. There's the very famous Jamaica Inn sign swinging in the breeze, the pirate with his parrot on his shoulder. And I can see why this place caught Daphne du Maurier's imagination when she first came here in the 1930s. The majority of the inn is still very much functioning as that, although now it has a museum as well, and it's got this atmospheric pub with lots of artefacts from the inn's history. I'm here to meet Kareem Basant, who is a local historian. She also runs the ghost hunting events that the inn does, and she probably knows more about this inn's history than anybody else. So where does the name for this inn come from? So most sources say that Jamaica Inn was named after the Trelawney family who were governors of the Jamaica Inn. But a few years ago, we had a chap contact us who said, no, you're wrong. I have the correct answer, which I think it's the most romantic one. He claims that there was fruit being smuggled in a barrel. It was starting to go off, so the landlord here boiled it up to make jam and it became known as the Jam Maker Inn. Ah, so that's different from the story that most people think that it's got something to do with the, the rum that was being smuggled through here. Exactly. You know, no one can know for sure. I like the more romantic one, but obviously there are two explanations. So this has been here since the mid-18th century. Now there's a big A road running alongside here. But what would it have looked like when it was first built? So we know that a John Broad, he may have been a sea captain, with a handshake, so very, very unusual, not a written tenancy agreement, with a gentleman called James Scarwin from Northampton, was allowed to hedge in 20 acres of land and he called this Bold Venture and it became the hamlet of Bolventer. He built a small dwelling house so when you look directly onto the Jamaica Inn where the two chimneys end that was the original Jamaica Inn. And how remote was this part you know it's that sort of up on a hill we can see across it's very misty outside what would this have looked like, this area? So the Jamaica Inn is over 900 feet of a sea level. And Bodmin Moor, you have to remember, was very isolated. The Cornish were a very independent people down the centuries. They did not like to be told what to do. So when the magistrates used to come and do the assizes, so they'll come to Launceston. Now, there were no decent roads, so they had to take then the road and go around the moor. So they would go to Weybridge, then to Bodmin to deal with court matters. So we believe that a landlord from the White Hart in Nordstone, the White Hart in Bodmin, decided to 
pave a track. We know that there's a track here that probably goes back to Roman times. The authorities thought, well, hang on, 1778, let's put some tall houses to pay for its upkeep. And then suddenly carriages could go past. So any decent businessman is going to think, hang on a sec, I could make some money from here. So he extended the side gables, put on the tack room and stable block and also built the annex across the road. And the white building opposite the Jamaica Inn was the forge. It still has the original Ford fire. And in the restaurant of the Jamaica Inn, you will see one of the huge bellows. Wow. And you said carriages were coming through here. What kinds of people would stop at the inn that was built here? It was very rough and ready. We know that. There was a report in 1814 of a man criticising the lack of refreshments, the lack of bread because the harvest had failed and the rough linen. So it wouldn't have been what we would call a nice place for the gentry to stop over. More like pull in, change the horses, have a hunk of meat and bread and off you go. Well, I suppose it's very remote here. Well, it would have been before we had this big road. Tell me what other kinds of nefarious people potentially were coming through the inn. So I will show you a, a window on the first floor where supposedly a candle would be lit to say whether it's all clear for the smugglers to come here and the excise men were nowhere to be seen. With the smuggling that went on in Cornwall, they were called free traders. Everyone was in it, from the lowly farmer, the nobility, the magistrate. Can we go back a little bit mm -hmm. into the history of Cornwall and its position in Britain in the 18th century with trade, you know, London particularly was a hub of commerce and trade in the world. So obviously a lot of wine, oils, spices were all coming into Britain. I suppose they would have been coming up through the south coast. Yes. So because Britain was at war, first of all, you had the independence wars of America and then the wars with France. So taxation was extremely high. We've had customised taxation since the 1300s, but it became very high on things like brandy, tea. We know that probably a quarter or a third of all tea that came into this country was smuggled in. And it carried on for so long. It was Prime Minister Peel that changed it to stop the smuggling of this high-end goods because he thought, if I change the excise duty, it's just as cheap to buy in the shops as to be smuggled in. So they would find other ways of smuggling. So when we think of smuggling, it's easy to think, oh, well, they were smuggling in, you know, illegal substances and things they weren't supposed to have, like opium. But actually, it was things that people were using day to day, but they just didn't want to pay the tax on it. And were the companies that they were working for, were they involved or did they turn a blind eye to these, I presume, say, sailors would they be who would come through and bring so them? So you had even the excise men, some of them were paid to turn the blind eye. And it all depends if you found an honest one. And there's one quote here that I absolutely love. It was once estimated that if all the goods smuggled into Falmouth alone, in the course of one year had been taxed, 
the money collected would have been more than twice the land tax for the whole of the kingdom. That shows you the quantity that was coming in. And people like their drink. Us English like our alcohol, you know, so brandy, wine, anything like that. And, you know, it wasn't just being smuggled from France, it was being smuggled from Portugal as well. And some of these smugglers, they had three or four ships and they were very fast ships. So they could make a crossing to France in eight hours if the wind was in the right direction. It was very organised. And presumably they land on the south coast, they come up into the countryside through the moor and this is the obvious stop off, I suppose. So being high up on the moor, this is obviously one of the ideal places. The only thing that we cannot find are hidden tunnels. We do know that the house opposite, the family that lived there before, claimed there was a small tunnel that went from under their stairs across the road here. But it was filled in, so we have to see it to say, yep, yeah, we can confirm it. Because this is built on granite, and granite is very hard to dig out. But there must have been places nearby, or perhaps a cottage, or somewhere hidden, that they could store the goods unseen. Well, you also have a museum here, as well as being an inn where people can stay. Would you show me the museum and some of the artefacts that you still have from those uh, days of smuggling? Yep. Has the inn changed much in the years that it's been operating? Because obviously people still come here and they still use it as an inn and people for the museum. Does it still look very much how it did? Well, we were very lucky to interview two people. One lady was born here in 1955. Another lady lived and worked here from 1959 to 1969. So we know of different layouts from what we see now. So, originally, the main bar was the dining room. Aha! Uh -huh. And in the 1950s, Mr. Grouse was the manager here, and there was a pet pig that used to walk around the bar. <laughs> it's a nice place for a pig to live. Exactly. So, we are in the original stable block. Before we come through here, I want to ask you about this horrible looking thing which says man trap and it's like uh, a metal set of teeth with very long spikes on it. What do I dare ask is that for? It's to stop a smuggler. And now imagine the size of it. That would have taken someone's leg off. Oh. If, they'd, if they'd walked onto that metal plate and it had snapped shut, those spikes would have gone right through bone and flesh and that person would have probably have lost their leg. And are there stories of smugglers being caught in man traps? I'm sure it would have happened. There's a smaller one. This is a beautiful smuggler's song. Howl of the draft from the Puck of Pook's Hill. If you wake at midnight and hear a horse's feet, don't go drawing back the blind or looking in the street. Then the ask no question isn't told a lie. Watch the wall, my darling, while the gentlemen go by. Five and twenty ponies trotting through the dark. Brandy for the parson, backy for the clerk. Laces for a lady, letters for a spy. And watch the wall, my darling, as the gentlemen go by. Mm -hmm.
You listen to Dan Snow's History. Don't go anywhere. There's more to come. Coming to Dan Snow's History Hits soon, a mini-series that tells one of the most extraordinary stories in history, the discovery of Tutankhamun. It's a tale of tombs lost beneath shifting desert sands, of adventurers, robbers and nations racing to uncover the greatest prize of all, an intact royal burial. It's extraordinary the kind of exploration he had to do. Pitch blackness, bats flying around, dust in your face, not really knowing what you were going to see next and what would happen next. Snakes, the possibility of a ceiling falling down on you. From Egypt, in a dramatic retelling that reveals so much more than the version you learnt at school, we're unravelling the story of one of the greatest dynasties of the ancient world and the discovery that gripped the globe and still does to this day. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Matt Lewis, historian and host of a new chapter of the Echoes of History podcast. If you're an Assassin's Creed fan, and like me, want to be prepared for the launch of Assassin's Creed Shadows later this year, join us on Echoes of History as we head to feudal Japan to explore the real-life history that inspired the latest game from this legendary franchise. Learn about Yasuke, the African warrior who entered the trusted circle of Japan's most powerful warlord. Hear accounts of cultures colliding when Portuguese missionaries landed on Japanese shores and follow Japan's journey through years of division and bitter warfare to unification at the dawn of the modern era. Make sure you catch every episode by following Echoes of History, a Ubisoft podcast brought to you by History Hit, wherever you get your podcasts. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination yahoofinance.com there's something very romantic about how we think of smuggling and i'm sure it's 
probably a lot to do with Daphne du Maurier's book. But it must have been quite a grisly business. I have this fabulous story of an old ex-smuggler who on his deathbed asked for the local priest to come and say the last rites. And as he looked at the priest, he said, you don't remember me. He said, many years ago, he said you were walking along the coastal path and he came to a fork in the road and I was there and I said, good evening, Reverend. Don't go that way. Go that way. It's a far better walk. And I'm so glad you did. And the Reverend said, why, my son? He said, because we had goods coming in and I would have to slit your throat. So smuggling is one thing. What is wrecking? So wrecking is where a false fire is put on a cliff. So a ship's out at sea, they think, ah, there's safe harbour, and they end up crashing onto the rocks. And then the people would go in and kill all on board and take the booty. But obviously the Daphne du Maurier story and then the film, the 1939 film, emphasise that more. But it would make sense smuggling to keep it low-key, otherwise you would end up having the King's Army come down and it would disrupt business. So it was more likely smuggling than wrecking. So you've got loads of artefacts in here. Yes. Can you tell me about some of your favourite things that are in this museum and what they are? Some of my favourite things are the way they would hide goods later on. So after the smuggling of tea and brandy became not worth doing because the excise was dropped on it, opium, tobacco, which is a big trade still now, but also you can see they used to smuggle in birds into stockings. Oh my gosh, like little tropical birds of paradise. Budges, yeah, little budges. And jewellery. So you have books that would have the centre taken out in jewellery put in because again they do want to pay the excise duty. It happens now. Holes in shoes and one of the funniest, potatoes. Mm -hmm. Potatoes. Hollowed out potatoes. Yeah. But during Victorian times, opium was the cocaine of the time. Aha. Uh -huh. So you had your opium, especially in London, the gentry, the nobility. It was something, and it was used as a painkiller as well. So it went from one type of trade to another. And you've got things from women, so you've got a corset and some shoes. Was there any benefit in hiding things in women's garments because they would arouse less suspicion than perhaps it, men? Exactly. So you're less likely in the 30s, 40s. I mean, also during the war, in the Second World War, because I know my English grandfather was naughty, petrol was rationed. So if people get hold of petrol, they would sell it on the black market. When the inn was first opened in the 18th century, it was smuggling tea and brandy to have to not pay the tax on it. But it looks like towards the Victorian age, it's moving more towards substances like opium and narcotics. And jewellery and same as today, what do people smuggle in when they go on holiday? Cigarettes and tobacco. You know, from someone that is just getting an extra couple of hundred to people bringing in thousands. And how many people take a van and go across the channel to the huge supermarkets and come back with loads of wine? Exactly the same thing. They don't want to pay the custom tax. One thing, there's a turtle here. 
um, a stuffed one and it was hollowed out and for 20 years it went back and forth. Narcotics was hidden inside and that went on undetected for 20 years smuggling into the country. So we've looked at some of the things that smugglers were using to bring products into Britain. Do you have any stories of the smugglers themselves in this museum? Yes. So Falmouth is, has one of the finest natural harbours in the world and it owes its existence probably to smuggling. It was developed as a town and a harbour in the 16th century by the Killigrews, a rich and influential family whose money came from piracy and smuggling. Sir John Killigrew held the position of Vice Admiral of Cornwall. So there's a man who's smuggling, who held a title, but on the side smuggled. You couldn't make it up. He eventually began to lead the raiding expeditions himself. So all the family took part in the bloodthirsty force, including Lady Killigrew, who was suspected of drowning several crew members of a Spanish ship that she wanted to loot. So they were wrecking. So they were wrecking, not English people. Foreigners were fair game if they could get their hands on them, but also piracy in the late 1700s, mid 1700s was massive. You think of Queen Elizabeth I, Sir Francis Drake. They had an official letter by Queen Elizabeth to go and raid the Spanish as long as she had a share of the booty. But publicly, she would denounce them. It's Diplomacy 101. <laughs> so when the smugglers land in the coves of the Cornish coast, you know, they're on the beaches, then what do they do? So a convoy of donkeys and ponies will be led down to the cove. So all the goods will be unpacked. I mean, you're talking quite a lot of weight on these poor animals and led back up to the first stop to unload and then gradually it will be dispersed up and down the county and then obviously usually making its way to London. So one crafty way was to shave the donkey, put oil on there so if the custom men tried to grab the donkey they couldn't get a firm grip. And they would also teach the donkeys words in reverse. So woa would mean stop and then stop would mean go for it. So to me, that is so clever. When do they come to the Jamaica Inn? So the Jamaica Inn now is about 10 miles from the coast. So that probably would have taken all night to bring it up here, depending on obviously the path, because people forget Bobman was a moor. You could get stuck in pits, etc. So you had to know the tracks. Who's the best people? The locals who know all the way. So they could walk through the mist with a lantern. They would know exactly where to walk, where not to walk. Same as the animals. They knew where to put their foot. You can see why when Daphne du Maurier came here, she was so taken with the history of this place and the landscape. So without Daphne du Maurier, this would just be another pub in Cornwall. Same as many other pubs with stories of smuggling and ghosts. So if she hadn't visited here first in 1930, with her friend, borrowed a couple of horses from here, went to visit someone for tea. As they were coming back, the rain in the mist came down and it can be very, very thick here because you're so high up. They got lost. They took some shelter into an abandoned building. Her friend said, why not let the horses lead the way back? 
and as they came up the crest of the hill here about eight o'clock at night the landlord was outside with a lantern welcoming. She stayed here for a few days. The following year, November 1931, she came here and the vicar of Altrincham, Charles Percival Triplett, he came and had afternoon tea, so it would have been the main bar, and he regaled her with stories of smugglers and wrecking. That inspired her to write Jamaica Inn. And one thing to remember, as she later said in previous accounts, this was a temperance inn. There was no alcohol. And I couldn't come here and not ask you about the hauntings of the inn. Can you tell me about some of the resident ghosts that live here? Right, so interestingly, the first documented report is 1911. It ended up in Country Life magazine of a man sat on the wall outside in strange clothing and as the locals approached and tried to talk to him, he ignored them and disappeared. So we move on then to the 1950s, where I was lucky enough to interview a lady that was born here. And her mother said that during the day, the Jamaica Inn was a lovely place, but as night draw in, she hated living here because guests would come down in the morning and say, who's been in my room, folded up my clothing that I dropped on the floor and left it neatly positioned on the end of the bed. I wish that ghost was still here because we could really do with their help. <laughs> well, there is a history of smugglers and ghost stories, isn't there? Very, very much so. So the smugglers would tell ghost stories to stop locals going near where they would hide their cargo or take the cargo off a ship. So there's one in the east coast of the drummer boy ghost. That was to stop people going to a certain area and they did it in Cornwall as well. I can tell that you love working here. What is it that you think ultimately that grips people in the stories of smugglers and in Daphne du Maurier's book, Wrecking? What is it that we're so drawn in by? I think we're drawn in by the romance of it all. So think of the Jack Sparrow films the crooked captain, the crooked smuggler, but has a heart of gold. And there are cases of one smuggler in Cornwall, one of three brothers. He became so conscious of his deeds, he ended up being a preacher because he wanted forgiveness. But again, you know, there's a moral code. And the moral code is you do not tell on other smugglers. And what happens in today's society, we call it snitching. You do not snitch. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Karen. You're thank more than welcome. Thank you. Perhaps there was no habitation in all the long and 20 miles that stretched between the two towns of Bodmin and Launceston. Perhaps there was not even a poor shepherd's hut on the desolate highway. Nothing but the one grim landmark that was the Jamaica Inn. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dan Snow's History. Please follow this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us and you'll be doing us a big favor. Don't forget, you can also listen to all of these podcasts ad-free and watch hundreds of of TV documentaries when you subscribe at historyhit.com slash subscribe as a special gift. You can also get your first three months for just £1 a month when you use code DANSNOW at checkout.